The service had already started when we walked in. The hymn being sung with the pipe organ sounded familiar, and I realized it was a classical piece I knew but couldn't put my finger on. The music and liturgy wove back and forth between things I understood and didn't, between modern and ancient, between mariachi guitars and Bach interludes, like the oxbows of a trout stream in a meadow. Something mysterious in me wove back and forth with it. My lack of knowledge of Spanish allowed me to stop thinking and let the beauty of the service transport me. My soul slid stealthily into that stream of faith and pageantry, hoping to remain unnoticed like any good fisherman. Damn, man. I love, man, Jesus, I can never write anything like that. I, I can't, I mean. <laughs> Welcome to the Lone Star Play Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Join me and a famous guest every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We discuss their career, life, food, Texas, and everything in between. Let's get started. All right, guys, and welcome to another wonderful, beautiful, amazing, eloquent, glorious, gorgeous, joyous episode. Let's gonna see how many of those I could do. Maybe we start learning a new word every episode, right? That'd be cool. Uh, but I'll forget, right? You guys got to remind me. That's why you write in. We get, you know, we're, we're almost done getting our Facebook stuff and social media stuff set up. And, you know, we'll have our Facebook group set up so we can all come together uh, offline. I can communicate with you guys in one central place because I'm, you know, I'm really communicating all over the place with everybody. So we're going to bring it to one place, but we're working on that. We're, we're trying to get it all set up right get the graphics, the images, the, you know, the ideas, everything, right? We're always working on the podcast, guys. We meet every Monday and we always talk about all the things we can do to improve and get this episode out. We're going to start advertising. We're going to start doing a lot of stuff. So, you know, join, get on, get on the train now. Okay. Now's the time you want to jump on. Now you want to be there when we're really super, you know, hot and popular and people are like, oh yeah, the Lone Star play. Oh yeah. I love those guys. They're all, you'd be like, I used to listen to them episode 12, you know, I, I, we're almost at a hundred. I don't know why I said 12. I mean, you know, that's really old school. We're almost at a hundred guys. We're coming up on it very soon. That's going to be a special episode. Probably going to have sparklers. You know, I'll probably eat some cake by myself. I mean, just me. So you guys won't even get any of that. I don't know why I mentioned it. Anyway, what, what, you know, why don't I, even why don't I tell you guys who's on the episode today? Radney Foster. Okay. Radney, that's right, Radney, not Rodney, Radney, love that name, Radney, awesome name, wonderful singer-songwriter, you probably know, right, wonderful singer-songwriter, but what I learned is he's much more than that, this guy is a renaissance man, uh, I would say, you know, one of the most diversely talented people I've ever had on the podcast, um, he's an actor, you know, musician, singer, songwriter, writer of books, <laughs> author, <laughs> writer of books. This is, remember why I said eloquent at the beginning? Take it back. I take it back. Uh, he's an author. He's also a, a screenwriter, writing his first screenplay with his wife for a new movie. He talks about that uh, off a book he wrote, writes some stories. We, we released with an album in conjunction it's awesome okay this guy's amazing he did this musical in atlanta you know where he's acting and singing and just what you know lead role here okay 
So he talks about that. He talks about cooking. He's an amazing cook too. Wine, you know, we talk about food, Texas, obviously. He's up in Nashville, actually. Um, and he lives next to Hayes Carl. So they, I think they live next to each other or near. I don't know. I'm probably saying that. And they're probably both like, ha, ha, ha. Uh, neighbors in Nashville is like the other side of town. Anyway, um, so yeah, Radney Foster, it's an awesome episode. Just had such a great time talking with him. Um, you know, as always, a few interruptions. Uh, his dogs, he had to go let them out, I think, for a second. And also, my Roomba just started going in the middle of the podcast. Had to turn that off. Embarrassing. Okay, it's always embarrassing stuff. Happens to me. This is why you got home studio. Th you know, th this is what happens. So anyway... It's an awesome episode. Um, he even reads some, which you just heard, right? You heard some of the stuff he read at the, the clip there at the beginning. Awesome. Yeah, he's gonna read. He just, just amazing guy. Just had such a great conversation with him. Um, so you know, listen to the episode, check it out. It's awesome. All right. Before we get to that, don't forget, please check us out on social media, online. Follow us, like us, comment, write in. You can write me if you want personally, Patrick at Texas Real Food. Well, I've gotten some emails, you know, uh, you know, so yeah, that's cool. You can, you can do that too. You can leave a comment, whatever that that's fine. You, you're more than welcome to, uh, to do that. Uh, we, we like that sort of stuff. So, um, but, oh, I did want to read a comment from somebody, uh, that wrote in, uh, to the show. Uh, well, they left not, yeah, they, they did write in, um, to the show, but specifically they left a comment also on, uh, YouTube, on one of the YouTube, um, you know, wh what's it called? The YouTube, uh, uh, the YouTube, um, the YouTube channel. Holy cow, I'm, I'm spacing here. Okay, so, all right, so here is the comment. It's, it's kind of long, but I thought it was worth uh, mentioning. So this is in response to the Max, um, I'll read just a little bit. This is in response to the uh, Max, uh, Lakato episode, which actually got a lot of attention. Thank you, Max, for sharing that. Um, you know, a lot of downloads, a lot of people commenting, a lot of people liking it. Uh, a couple of people said I babbled. Um, <laughs> I love these. I love the, those are my favorite comments, to be honest with you. Um, all right, so here it is. Th this is from Darlene Keen. All right, she says, first time seeing your show. Tuned in because I love to listen to Max Lakato. I believe nothing happens by accident. Like you, I was raised Catholic and was later baptized Baptist, but at a younger age, 12. For years, I went and enjoyed it. When I went to college, I was intrigued by religion and found myself exploring other denominations. I was happy being in fellowship with other believers and quite content. However, I found myself constantly searching for something. Something seems to be missing. Something during my first two years in college, I was given a good news Bible uh, she said that was not her first one. She got a King James version uh, for high school graduation by her church. But the good news version was easier for her to understand. So basically, um, she says, continue to keep your heart and mind open to the uh, possibilities with God. He is not through with you yet. Miracles are real. I experienced one in April when I was hit head on by a drunk driver. I should have been killed, but God saw fit to keep me. I look forward to seeing more of your shows and how God is going to use you. May you have joy in your journey. Wow. See, that's amazing. I mean, there's more to the comment. So, you know, go to the um, uh, YouTube page and you can go to the Max Licato episode and find uh, the comment there. Just wonderful, you know, that people tune in and it can make a difference for somebody, um, you know, and look, 
like I said, we love bringing people on from different backgrounds and different things. You know, I have no prejudice towards anything, even though I'm not a religious person. I will bring somebody religious on and talk about it. And they can talk about God. I got no problem discussing that. It makes a difference in people's lives. A lot of things do. So I think it's important to explore all of those, um, you know, facets to life. So thank you so much, Darlene, uh, for writing in and writing that. It, it meant a lot. And yeah, it meant a lot to all of us, uh, the team, all the comments do, everything that everyone writes and sends in to us. It's really amazing. Um, so thank you so much. Um, and I'll, you know, I'm gonna start doing this on every episode. I'll read comments and stuff. We got a lot of them. So I, you know, I'm on backed up, to be honest with you, but we'll start doing that. So, uh, and I'll get better at making it tighter and, and sh you know, sweeter. And I hope this wasn't too long, but I thought um, they deserved the attention. So, all right, let's get to the episode. Radney Foster. Um, and don't forget, you know, social media, check us out, all that. And our website, right? TheLoneStarPlate.com. Find everything you need there. So, again, let's just get to the episode. Radney Foster, amazing episode. The Renaissance Man. All right? So, enjoy. Where are you based out of? I'm in Austin. I'm in Austin, right. Texas. So, well, yeah. then it's easy to find good food to, to sit across the table with, you know. Oh, yeah. Tons, yeah. tons. And, and of every variety, you know, it's like, yeah. uh, uh, you know, there's, if you, if you, uh, you know, if you search what you think of as a, a, you know, a foreign food, quote unquote, you know, you find out how much uh, influence uh, Texas culture will have on, on that food. I mean, if, if you eat in Thai and Vietnamese restaurants, down on the texas coast certainly you can get really traditional stuff but then their kids you know they're second and third generation and their kids are like figuring out how to do shit with you know pork barbecue yeah. <laughs> along with a, you know a, a thai plum sauce and yeah. it's delicious right you know so yeah. I, I love that that's cool wow what that's very insightful man uh, that's that's absolutely i think that's important though, though with food too like you've got to give it you know it just has that local flair along with this foreign sure. twist, right, too, which is Or great. with whatever the heritage is that yeah. you bring to it, you exactly. know, um, whether exactly. it's uh, that you're bringing, you know, you know, if you're bringing traditional, uh, you know, Southern cooking to, to the forefront, you're obviously going to talk about the traditions that were handed down to you. But if you yeah. don't talk about slave culture, then you're really doing it wrong. Because so yeah. much of what we eat came came from that, you know. I mean, you know, the English didn't eat field peas, you know. That was 100%. that was cow's food, yep. you know. And and yet, you know, name a name a New Year's. I can't name a New Year's that I didn't eat black eyed peas. You yeah. know, what I mean, it's it is part of the culture, you know. So, yeah. um, I love that. Man. I, love, I just I, I love I'm an amateur chef, and I love that stuff. So no, I love that. I love that you care about the history and where it comes from to most people would honestly not care right and i love that and i love that you want to respect its true origin that, that's awesome man look fellow chef to amateur chef i'm an amateur chef too even though i owned a place i've been in the industry 50 years. we're all amateurs at the end of the day right. we're all we don't know what we're doing we should you know we should cook together sometime I'll, I'll, oh uh, man i love to i love cooking. yeah i, 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 mean, I yeah. did i did a deal i've, I've done only one I did only one last year, but there for a while there, I was doing two or three a year. Um, we put up on my website. It was my wife's idea. Um, <laughs> we, 
we had a dinner party and you know, it's midnight and we're washing the dishes. This is probably about six, seven years ago. Um, we're washing the dishes and she said, you should do this for fans. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And, and, uh, because, uh, you know, my friends who'd come over were songwriters. There's two couples yeah. and, and, uh, um, one, you know, you know, two of the people were also songwriters. And so, I mean, naturally after dinner, you know, we pulled out, uh, some, uh, a, you know, dessert and, and some, you know, after dinner drinks and, and, and sat around the kitchen table, you know, the dining room table and played music. Right. I mean, it's just, it's as normal as pie. And oh, so, uh, she that. said, you should, and I was like, what? And she said, we'll talk about it in the morning when we're both more sober. <laughs> and I said, so, so she said, look, just, you know, tell people you'll cook a gourmet dinner for eight for them and then do a concert in their living room afterwards. And, and she said, nice. and put the biggest sticker price we can think of on it. And, and we did, and it worked. And I, I used to do about three or four of them a year. Um, I, I now do, it's, it's down. I haven't pushed them in a long time, Sure, you know, but um, yeah. I'm thinking that after at, once things settle down and we can actually do that again, I might, you know, push that before. Cause it takes that, you know, the, the weird part about touring is you can't just say, yeah, we'll be there tomorrow. You know, yeah. it's, it's like, okay. I, so, you know, knowing it's like, okay, I just got vaccinated and everybody else is just getting vaccinated. And it's, you know, whenever it is in 2021 that this is taking place and I can call my agent and go, okay, you can put this on the books for three and a half or four months from now. Right. And it won't just be me doing that. It'll be every touring act in the world trying to do that. <laughs> so that's true. And, and so I think there'll be a log jam and we talked about, it's like, Hey, let's put up, you know, we'll come do the gourmet dinner, uh, you it's know, great backyard idea. thing with you. So who knows? We'll see. That's a great idea. I've never heard of this before, man. I've th I've thought, feel like I've heard of everything and this is something new. Uh, I never heard of a songwriter cooking as well. This is oh, new, yeah. dude. This yeah. is new. I don't know. This is, I love it. I love this idea. Um, Boy, this is a great. I got so many. I man, my my brain is firing off left well, and right here. Uh, so the way I learned awesome. to become a, become a, a a cook was um I I found myself as a single dad uh, when my oldest boy was two years old, you know, and I knew how to make scrambled eggs. You know, that was about it. You know, I could make <laughs> pancakes from a box mix. You know, <laughs> you know, and, add water, right? Add like, water. Like, right, I got this. Know, <laughs> I got this. Right. You know. So. Um, the, uh, you know, so I, I, I called my mom and she sent me one of the cookbooks that they literally gave to, you know, brand new newlywed women in the 1950s <laughs> start on page. You know, she was like, start on page one and call me if you have questions, you know, and it I was really this. basic, I but I kind of fell in love with it. And then when my son was five, he moved to France with his mom. And that was a, devastating thing it's how i wrote the song godspeed that was a lullaby oh, for him yeah. you know that later got cut by the dixie chicks and but you know we would go and visit him all the time and it it turned out that there was this one family that had like a bed and breakfast across you know basically the house was one of those double houses where you know um really ancient you know first duplexes uh you know from 300 years ago you know <laughs> and uh, um and they would rent out 
the other side, you know, and, and they lived in one side and they had a kid, um, same age as my son. And so I, we were hanging out with that family and, you know, the, the mom was a great cook and she just started teaching me all these family French recipes and all of these techniques. Um, wow. and I really fell in love with it and yeah. then, uh, you know, started, you know, learning to cook buff bourguignon for, for friends and family at, you know, and that kind of thing. So it, it, it kind of came by accident, but it, but it's a, it's been a great creative outlet in addition to, you know, writing songs and, you know, writing literature and you know, everything that's else. That's awesome. I, I, figure out how to do. I love that, man. That That's amazing. Plus you're learning French style, right? So oh, yeah, that's... right. You know, and it really made me realize how much French food influenced Mexican food. Oh yeah. A lot of foods, you know, and because, um, you know, the French occupied Mexico for, I'd say a short time, but I believe it's several decades, <laughs> you know, because, <laughs> um, you know, between Spain and it becoming independent from Mexico and then back to the French and during the Napoleonic period. But, you know, uh, the way in which uh, they blend spices together, a whole bunch of that um, comes from French technique. And, and if you think about it, you know, some of the some of the fancy, what we think of as the fanciest foods in the world, regardless of where they come from, all came from peasant culture. You know, how do I make this really, really tough, chewy, sinewy piece of the worst piece of the beef that is available because the king or the lord took all the great stuff? You know, how do I make this, you know, edible, yeah. <laughs> you know, and taste right. good? You know, that's right. Uh, that's right, man. Yeah. God, man. Yeah, look at this. This is like, this is flipped the script here. I love that. This is like the best podcast, man. I got to say, you're like the most, not probably one of the most knowledgeable guests I've had on that know about food. Uh, this is awesome. Um, I, I love talking this. So, okay. So you start learning some of these styles of food and now you want to do some of these dinner. Do you course them out? Are you doing courses? Yeah. What, what yeah, does it I course look them like? Out, you know, and I, I course them out and pair the wines with them. Oh, you do um, wine pairings too? Look yeah. at you, bro. Mm, <laughs> love this. Love well, this. I mean, you know, sometimes it's not hard. You can look on the internet and go, you know, a pouille fousse would go really good with that salad. But, ah, you of know, course. Like, Once you're you're you do gonna, it a lot. Yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah, not absolutely. Gonna, so, uh, and... What about I'm, song pairings? No, you know, I haven't done that. Uh, uh, but that would it be has cool. been, you, you know... It is interesting to think about pairing things together. I mean, you know, that's, you know, that's how we haven't talked any about recent stuff, but you know, my last outing was a book of short fiction to match a, a 10 song, you know, collection of, of songs. And, you know, for each song there was a, and if, but if you think about it, it's like, I've been thinking about that. It's like, what's the other art form yeah. that you can pair it with, you yeah. know, with, with food and drink, Sure. And then with, um, you know, visuals for videos, you know, what's the story that you can tell in the video that how, what are the gaps you can fill in with the video that aren't in the song? Cause one of the great parts about a song is a story is, you know, you can, you can tell 10 minutes of somebody's life. It's a snapshot or you can tell, you know, 10 or 20 years. You know, Poncho and Lefty is, you know, is a, is, you know, is, is absolutely, you know, looking over the arc of 
you know, from young man to old man and where they are now, you know, one of them's dying in Cleveland in a hotel, you know, after they had been desperados down in Mexico, you know, decades before. So, um, and that's a cool thing about songwriting, you know, with videos, you can fill all that in, but, you know, with short stories, it was really great because I could tell it's like, here's the window of what happened between verse one and verse two that I didn't tell you in the song, you know, and you could, awesome. you could grab it that way. And it was, it was really fun to do and, uh, and became a great success. I have a really awesome independent publisher out of North Carolina that, um, called working title farm. And they, they do, uh, Southern lit, you know, mostly I'm, I'm, they, they, they accept me being, they, they tease me about being a Texan, but you know, they're, they're willing to publish me. So <laughs> that's hilarious. That is funny. I'm glad, I'm glad they made an, an exception. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Uh, well, that's, yeah, yeah, you too, of course. Well, that's great that that's going there. I love that you're thinking about that. I, I've never really heard that, that angle before about filling in the gaps, you know, with this and with that, so with the song. Out for a second. How about now? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Better. Yeah, oh, okay. Okay. Right on. Uh, yeah. I've never heard that angle before about filling in the gaps. That's interesting. So let me ask you this. Um, is the song the main part and everything comes off of that? Or is the song from the story? What, where's the it chicken happened, and where's the egg? It, it happened both ways. Um, you know, some of them are uh, certainly a retelling of what happens in the story and you get to fill out the characters more and tell more, more detail because, and yeah, right because okay. you're dealing with you know 4500 words or 5000 totally. words rather than you know 3 minutes <laughs> yeah, you know? so, yeah. And, uh, so you know you get 30 minutes or, or less you know yeah. uh, to but um some of them are just uh cousins um and I'll I like that. I'll uh, I like that. um and, and so you get a different perspective or there's only one thing that connects the song to, to the, to the short story. I like that um, a lot, actually. Yeah. Cool. And, um, the, 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 and, and some, you know, it was like, some of them were written. I wrote the short story and it's like, Oh, now I got to come up with a song and others. It was like, that's I what knew, I was curious about. Yeah. yeah okay. I knew I wanted this song to go on the album. So my job is to, you know, walk around my neighborhood, trying, you know, listening to the song over and over again, trying to go, <laughs> okay, what's, what the hell can I write about <laughs> that makes this make sense? You know? Yeah. And, uh, um, I'll, 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 I'll give a song, an example, if I can find it right quick. Um, I'll read a tiny little passage. Um, yeah, that'd be awesome. That, uh, the, I mean, you know, uh, my, the audience, I think if I was going to pick something that they would know and they wouldn't have to go look up, um, my audience pretty much knows that I wrote a song called raining on Sunday. That was, uh, you know, a hit for me at home in Texas and nowhere else in the world until Keith Urban got a hold of it. And he made it kind of a worldwide <laughs> hit, which was really good. Hey, um, and so good. I wrote, uh, I wrote a short story, um, uh, about a guy who's a Dallas lawyer and he's, he's, his, his life has gone to hell in a handbag and he's, uh, uh, he quits his job. He gets a divorce. He quits his job. He, uh, he decides he's going to go fly fishing for a year all over the Rockies. 
just to just figure out what the hell he wants to do in life, you know? Yeah. And it, along the way, he meets a Latina uh, young lawyer from my hometown of Del Rio, Texas, who has a completely different viewpoint on life and, you know, changes a whole lot of his way of thinking. And he has this redemption arc in it. And of course they fall in love in the process. Right. You know, um, but the only connection is to the description that is in the second verse of raining on Sunday, your love is like religion across from Mexico. Your kiss is like the incense of a prayer nail to a door. That's the only connection what a great line, to the whole story. The um, so I'll read you. This is about he, uh, he, uh, he's, he, she takes him to, he's never been to church, uh, Catholic church in his life. And he got, she takes him to an all Spanish language Catholic service. <laughs> he says it's perfect. It. Can't understand a damn thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, he's, uh, the service had already started when we walked in the hymn being sung with the pipe organ sounded familiar. And I realized it was a classical piece I knew, but couldn't put my finger on the music and liturgy wove back and forth between things I understood and didn't, between modern and ancient, between mariachi guitars and Bach interludes, like the oxbows of a trout stream in a meadow. Something mysterious in me wove back and forth with it. My lack of knowledge of Spanish allowed me to stop thinking and let the beauty of the service transport me. My soul slid stealthily into that stream of faith and pageantry, hoping to remain unnoticed like any good fisherman. Damn, man. I love, man, Jesus, I can never write anything like that. I, I can't, I mean, <laughs> well, uh, if, if people out there listen and want, you know, want it, um, they come autographed at uh, Radney Foster.com and buy both, you know, the music and the CD, and there's an audio book with, with uh, all the songs on it, too. So there's all kinds of stuff. It kind of broke up on me a little bit, Randy. Let's see here. Okay, better. Oh. Froze. Oh, can you, there uh, we can go. you hear now? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm unfrozen. Yeah. Uh, people can get them autographed at RadneyFoster.com. You know, uh, audio book, uh, the paperbacks. I think oh, we have. Oh, audio book. Oh, yeah. I, I read the audio book, and th it, that also has all the songs on it, too. So. Dude, you know. that's awesome. That is really yeah. cool. Wow. That's wow. That's yeah. that's amazing, man. All kinds of ways to, you know, hear stories and, and uh hear some music. So you are always trying to be creative, right? It's it's in everything you do, I bet. Yeah, I mean I I I think one of the things that's been helpful to me over the over thirty some odd years of doing this is I get bored easily. <laughs> and uh no really i mean i it's like I've, i always think about that it's like if i'm bored with this by the time i get to the second verse in a song then i've done something wrong right you know that you know that is a good lyric right there <laughs> Boom! You, did, <laughs> you know you know i i i always try that so you know i think um Part of that's what led me to go, hey, I'm going to go back to taking some acting lessons. And I ended up uh, being the lead in a uh, in a musical, brand new musical that was done at uh, a Tony Award winning theater at the Alliance Theater in uh, Atlanta. Um, all the music was written by Christian Bush from the band Sugarland. 
and a Janice oh Schaefer God. was the playwright. And so, and it was a six week run world premiere. I mean, it was really great experience. Wow. I learned a ton and oh. it was a big leap for me. And, and, uh, but, but, you know, I'm glad I accomplished it. You know, it's a, and it, and it, you know, it, it taught me a lot, you know, what, and, what kind uh, of, uh, you know, training, I don't know what the right word of training, uh, I just, what kind I, of... you know, I was, I was the guy who was in, you know, high school theater with all the other, you know, geeks. And, yeah. uh, um, and so I had actually been, uh, cast in a movie right after the Del Rio, Texas, 1959 record came out. Oh, wow. And then we, uh, it was just a, it was a character part. It was a, it was not a lead. It was a, you know, a supporting role. Um, and sure. wasn't able to do it because, uh, the, the album took off so quickly that, you know, we, we were on tour and, uh, and it, I was literally going to get sued by a sponsor. Um, oh, God. And, uh, yeah. Oh no. They were like, you're going to have to get back the money and all the advertising money that we spent. It's like, uh, <laughs> we're not going to be able to do that. So, so they, uh, um, so I, you know, it, it didn't end up happening. And so it's like, welcome to Hollywood, Mr. Foster, you know? Uh, <laughs> and, uh, um, so, funny. you know, I kind of set that aside for a long time. And then about, uh, five or six years ago, I, uh, I told my wife I wanted acting lessons for, for, for Christmas, you know, and I, I have an acting coach in Nashville and I, I had a small part in an indie film and I've been able to do some local theater That's stuff awesome. in Nashville when, you know, on, Times off. We did a yeah. uh, when the Harry Potter plays came out. You know, uh, we did a reading, and I was that's how and that you know that led to an audition for the for the part in the play in Atlanta. Yeah. How how was the preparation for that part uh, in Atlanta? You know, so you know, it, I, you know, I, I'm actually, I you know, it was it was uh, the, the for the audition I. I did kind of a, a risky thing. I walked in in character and didn't go out of character until after the audition was over. You know? <laughs> I love that. And I just walked in as the character, Billy Mason. And that's how I got the part. Um, I think my, my biggest trouble in, in rehearsals and in preparing to be that guy is I had to be a real son of a bitch. And, and, and really hang on to that anger. Um, you know, I, I had to really hang on to that anger in the times, even when I wasn't speaking, because your body language will change unless you, you know, you've got to project that sense yeah. of power and anger, even when you're standing there. And that's a real, that's a physical body language thing. So yeah. stay in you know, and they call it staying in character for a reason. You can't go, I can't say my, my lines and it's like, and then I'm going to receive something and go back to being Radney while I'm receiving it and then go back to being Billy. They'll know, the audience will see it. They'll notice yeah. it. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's not that mean a guy, you know, and yeah. you don't get to the redemption that's in the play unless I'm an absolute jerk to the guy who plays my son. And so to really you, hard. like, so to you, the bigger the jerk you are, the bigger redemption you can have. That's correct. And, 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 and the weird part was that, you know, the, the guy, the young man, uh, Zach Seabaugh, you know, who was playing, uh, 
playing the the son, you know, who's the other lead, and there's a romantic interest in this. I mean, it's a musical, right? You know, and uh, but but I'm the heavy, you know, and uh, um, so in, until you know, you know, I have a son. I had a son exactly his age when you know when we were making that, you know, it's like literally just a couple of years older than him. And so, so, and he's such a likable young man. It was so hard for me to be so damn mean to him, you know, just Mm. tough, you know, and that's like, and I had to get over the psychology of that, you know, and and it took some doing the, the, um, the cool part was, is, uh, uh, they got one of the character actors from the walking dead to coach me. And, uh, and that really helped. That guy was really smart. And he, it really helped a lot. Wow. Jesus. He's like, I mean, this is how you're a zombie. Right? He's like, this is this is how you do it. Um, uh, wow, that's amazing. Uh, an actor from The Walking Dead giving you some tips there. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. that's absolutely amazing. <laughs> that's crazy. I mean, shit. Yeah, I tried acting uh, for a little bit. I used to live in Philadelphia. I moved up there. You know, I tried oh, wow. it many, many years ago. I'm horrible. I was just like the worst actor i just thought oh my god i'm not good at this this is not for me uh i'm just so bad uh but i tried it it's definitely it's hard it's it is hard as i just don't think people understand how difficult it actually is it's more difficult than than it right it looks like you know 100 percent takes a lot of it takes a lot of hard work and a lot of talent and you do have to put a lot of effort into it in fact the more effort you put in is how it comes off so effortless, right? right? That's right. the you, that's you the key. stop seeing the you stop seeing the actor and you start seeing the character, yep. and you know what? And truly, my initial thing with with taking the acting lessons was I told my wife I said, you know, the the acting coach can help me get my patter between songs down a little better, right? Ooh. Be a little more efficient, yeah. Make them a little more dramatic. Uh, I needed to, and uh, you know, I, at that point, you know, I had been, you know, telling some of the same stories in acoustic shows between songs for 20 years. And you go, I got to come up with either a new way to tell that same story or come up with a different story and still keep the audience just as engaged. And that was my initial desire was for that. And she certainly helped me with that, but then it led to her going, Hey, I've got this part. You want to audition for it? It's like, sure. Why not? That's yeah. awesome. My gosh, that's so God, that's so cool. So going into an audition, I'm curious, like what, you know, you said you, you, the other one, how you got the play is you just walked in as the character, right? And didn't, and just didn't yeah. leave the character. Did not leave the which, character until right. I, I answered all the questions as if I were the character in the play. You dressed like him too? Like you did oh, yeah. it all? Oh yeah. I, I, he was a, he's a, um, an aging country star in the, in the, late 1940s, early, uh, you know, kind of, uh, just as honky tonk is, is, is coming, coming into play. Um, just as rhinestones are starting to come into play and, and Billy Mason wants none of it. He came from the gospel (laughs) world, you know, it's like, he's like Bill Monroe, man. He came from the gospel world and the bluegrass world and from the Carolinas. And that's the kind of music he's going to play. And he's wearing strings ties and, and you know suits and uh so i walked in in a, in a suit you know black suit with a with a uh, string tie and a and a guitar and a bible you know set the guitar down threw the bible on the table 
and uh, started talking about the the DJ, who's one of the main characters in the play. Said he, you know, changed my accent. You know, it's like uh, Billy talks a whole lot more like this. He had he swallows them arms, and he has that. <laughs> so my buddy Gooch told me that that uh, y'all won't y'all won't talk to me about. It. They said it's an interview. They didn't tell me if this was the red. Radio or, or for that newfangled thing, television. I don't stand that television. That's that's something else. There, you know. So I mean, you just walk in and you just get it. You know. Man, um, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. And the singing. Yeah, no, I I had to sing. Uh, 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 Christian Bush had written this amazing song called Troubadour, which was the title of the 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 play and uh you know i i got it and put everything into it i could um and it's really about a guy looking back and saying you know they're not going to remember me they're not there's no ticker tape parade coming my way the only thing that's going to be left after i'm gone is the song you know wow wow and uh which is that's powerful you know, it's powerful, really yeah. powerful. And uh, so I sang it and then, you know, I knew, see, the thing is I also, I knew Christian and he didn't know I was going to come in and audition, you know? And so then, <laughs> then, uh, um, so, you know, he called me up after the audition. He said, you know, you singing that song, that's everything I thought that song was supposed to sound like, you know, wow. you did. and uh, wow. you know, the part's yours unless you want to turn it down. So, wow, man. That's pretty cool how is it singing that has to be a different way to sing right because you're acting and singing and walking across the stage right and sort of sure. interact and, and that's gotta, different than just right, right in front of a mic well and the interesting thing was that how many um you know you're wearing a mic in your hair you're uh <laughs> wow. um you know they have planted mics you know the cool part was like when you're in the radio station they've got a uh you know, a large diaphragm microphone in front of you. Well, there actually is, that actually is a large diaphragm microphone and you do it bluegrass style, you know, cause there's me and my son singing harmony. And so we had to learn to, all the guitar parts and everything all together. And, and, Oh my you know, God, this sounds amazing. Back and work the microphone back in and, and stuff. And then on, wow. but then other times it's like they have microphones, hidden in lamps and in furniture and stuff that, you know, um, the most, the most, uh, graphic thing I had to do was, um, the character, uh, Billy is being forced into retirement because he has epilepsy. And as he's getting older, he's starting to have more and more seizures. And back then they thought you were crazy. They would have put you in an insane asylum for epilepsy. You know, they did oh, not Jesus. know this. Yeah, they had no idea. So I, the, the theater got uh, an act. There's an, there's an actor in California who's an epileptic. And, uh, and that, they hired that guy to walk me and the whole cast, you know, through what it's like to have an epileptic seizure. And then, uh, I got together with my acting coach. Um, she drove down from Nashville to Atlanta and we went through some of that stuff. And then they had a combat coach um, 
who was from Yale, and she was a, in graduate school and a fellowship at, at the theater in Atlanta. Um, and she and I worked out the entire, both seizures, like what would happen, how I would, and it's wrestling moves. It's all the stuff where it's like, like, you know, oh, wow. <laughs> it's yeah. Like in the very first time you see, saw me have the seizure, you know, you smack the stage with your palm as your head goes down and then you snap it back up. You're selling it, right? Uh, you're, you're selling it. Like you just actually like in real life, you actually, there is a reaction, right? And, uh, but you're selling it. And when you hear 750 people in that theater gasp because you're going down then, and then it's dead quiet. That's a powerful feeling. And, uh, the best, com wow. <laughs> the best compliment I got about that was, um, Gwinnett County is just North of, of Atlanta. And there was a guy who his wife said, I want to go to the theater. And he goes, you know, I don't care about, about that. He goes, yeah, but this place about country music and Radney Foster's in it. He's like, well, hell I'll go see that. You know? <laughs> and, uh, so he, he waited till after the show, you know, until I'm in my, you know, civilian clothes and walking out, you know, 45 minutes after the show's over, he waited because he wanted to shake my hand and say, man, I'm head of EMS services for Gwinnett County. And he said, I got to tell you, when you hit that, when you hit the floor with that first seizure, I was like, that man's having an epileptic seizure and this play is over. He said, I was in the aisle seat and he said, I was six seats down running towards the stage. Oh shit. So and I realized, oh shit, it's part of the play. And I had to skulk back to my seat. He said, but you fooled me. And he said, I've seen multiple, multiple seizures, you know, for 20 something years and doing this. And you, you scared the shit out of me, you know? So, wow. You know, it wow. was a real, it was a real learning experience as far as being a, a stage actor. I, I can't express how much I have Susan Booth, who is the director and everyone in Atlanta, at the, at the Alliance theater, I cannot express how much, uh, I have the utmost respect for them and their craft and, and, uh, the help they gave me. No, oh, that's amazing. A any plans to do another musical? Uh, I don't know. I haven't had, I've been had, I've had a couple of offers, but you know, then COVID-19 came along. Um, I, uh, I am in the midst of writing a screenplay with my wife based on one of the short stories in the book. Oh, wow. And, and that's gone into development. So I can't tell you which one because my, my producers will kill us and, uh, yeah. or see this <laughs> or something like that, you know, and absolutely but it's exciting, but, and I'm smart enough to, uh, there's a couple of parts that are supporting cast parts that, uh, that I could p potentially play, you know, in the, in the movie, if it gets that far. And, uh, but the very fact that we've gone into development has been really, you know, they have to sign a lot of paperwork and actually, you know, option some stuff to make that yeah. all come together. Yeah. And, um, and we've been working with them for a year and we're about to go to, to the point where it's like, Oh no, we're going to start pitching all like the people who actually give you the money to make the movie, you know? And <sighs> um, that, so that look, exciting. That's awesome. Look, if you need a podcast host in there somehow, then they're like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We'll call you. 
<laughs> to totally. Man, that's amazing. Now screenplays. Look, I knew it. I knew it. You're just like this creative. I love that. I love that so much, man. I had Dustin Lance Black on the podcast earlier, like mm -hmm. months ago, actually. Uh, you know, he wrote uh, Milk, won the, the, won yeah, the yeah. Oscar. Um, you know, we talked a lot about just writing and that stuff. I'm curious how did you approach right because that was his job job so like right. that's he, all yeah, he it, did right. right how do I you was, approach well how do, how do you the, approach the, this? the one thing that was great is that you know my wife has uh been a journalist and a magazine editor for decades you know we both have been working for over 30 years as writers but in two completely different genres right and then so as i began to write fiction you know my first editor my first audience was was my wife you know and um so uh you know we thought it'd be fun to collaborate and we kind of went through about six months of a self-imposed uh you know mfa in screenwriting you know we we read every book available we had a guy who we we know who's a screenwriter who really sort of coached us and helped us with with oh, some of that awesome. you know which awesome. was and and then interestingly enough um, screenwriting is just like writing prose or writing songs are very different disciplines. So is screenwriting and not everybody who writes prose as be it fiction or nonfiction can convert to that. But the thing that really helped is screenwriting is so much like songwriting. The structures are the same. Oh, wow. They don't want you to have, they don't want you to have descriptions more than four lines long right they want you to break those up into these four line paragraphs well that's it's couplets and 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 you know quartets you know it's it's um it's so musical in the way that you describe things and then how the 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 arc of the conversation has to go from this point to this point and it, it and the interplay between the actors in those conversations absolutely run like you know the conversational dialogue that you put into um, that you put into songwriting yeah. and, you know, everybody's like, well, you want the dialogue to sound, you know, realistic and, and, and that's true, but you want the dialogue, you want people to speak like you wish everyone spoke, right. You know, yeah. you don't want them to talk like they actually do, or you would write the, write the worst movie in the world. You know, you really want them to go say things to go, Holy crap. I wish I'd have said that. Yeah. yeah. All, all the things that, you know, when you, whatever, and you're walking back to your car and you go, damn, I wish I would have said that. Right. Oh, it's, sure. it's all those moments. It's right. like, and that if you give that moment to the actor and he or she actually says it before they turn on their heel and walk away from the, the, the person they're falling in love with, you know, because of the argument, then, you know, you just, it's like, Dang it. That's it. Yeah. That's the line, you know, and, and those are hooks, right? Yeah. It's the same as like you have hooks. a hook that you write a hook into the, into the chorus so that it's memorable. You write those, those, the reason, you know, you hear these great lines in movies and then it fades to black and up comes the next scene. There's a reason, man, you want to land that scene with that hook in that spot. And so that's so much like songwriting. It's about landing those hooks in those conversations that keep rolling you through the story. Yeah. You know, as you're yeah. watching the movie. Damn, that's awesome. That that is really cool, man. So your wife. So this is great. I first of all, I love your collaborating with your wife, and she's bringing 
right? Her, her, oh, perspective. Her, yeah. Yeah. Her perspective and her, you know, her strengths, right. And you're bringing your oh, strengths sure. and it's all helping. And that's amazing. That, yeah, that's and really, it's, truly it's been amazing. interesting in that there's sometimes when we're sitting across from each other and, and, you know, spitballing through a scene and what, what will happen is, is we'll get that where, where we think it ought to be through the spitballing and we've just got little notes everywhere. And then it, it kind of turns into, are you going to write it or am I going to write it? And, and it's like, I'm still working on that other scene. Why don't you write it? And then basically I, if she wrote it, I come in and I'm the one who's like, this is really great. This is really great. We got to come, you know, polishing yeah. her work and then vice versa. If, if I wrote the scene, you know, she's the one who's coming in and polishing and tightening, you know, that scene. And then we, as we start to stack them together, have to go, okay, we got to rewrite this because that, you know, we've lost the arc somewhere, you know, you know, that's um, more, you know? Yeah. I, you know, I know you can't tell which story or whatever, but I'm just curious, did y'all, you know, no ahead of time like you know was the choice easy on the story to pick or did y'all like uh, know no, ahead of time no and, and the weird part is is that you know it was uh, it was a, too long a story to tell but basically um a screenwriter had said to us he said look you know i, I think there's several movies in this in this book and it's easier to write a movie from a piece of, from a short story than it is from a novel, because in a novel you have to cut so much crap away yeah. to tell it. And then in yeah. a short story, you get the ability to expand it, right? Yeah. You're, you, you're adding to what yeah. you've already written and uh, to that story arc. Sure. And so, uh, and he was right. And, but he was like, y'all figure out which one, you know, you want to do. And so I, I think that first six months of reading those things and then both she and I re really rereading and it's very weird to reread what you've written with an eye for, I've got to make this different. You know, I've got to do I this see. differently. Yeah. Hang on one second. I got to let yeah. a dog out of this room. <laughs> no worries. I love it. The realities of of of, of uh, Zoom casting, right? I got I got two dogs. I got two dogs myself. <laughs> you know, it, it happens. Uh, I leave my door open actually in my studio here because of mm. that reason, in case they want to scrap what I just let them roll around. Yeah. They're actually leave me alone if I leave the door open, but if I close it, they're like, what's going on in there? <laughs> yeah, they're like, what's happening in there that I'm not a part of? Hey, why, why are you keeping me out? Yeah. yeah. And why are you keeping me out? What is the point? Uh, yeah, no, no, absolutely. So, yeah, um, but I mean, the screenwriting thing has been, uh, you know, it's been a joy. It's been really fun. I mean, uh, we've not butted heads too much. You know, we're still married. Still happy. You know. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, of course. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, right, it's it's not life or death. This is creativity, and it's uh, probably very subjective. Yeah. And, right, you both have the and, same goal in and, mind. And you want to tell the, the best story. Yeah, I think one of the things that we both have done is to get to the point where it's like you, you – um, Faulkner said, you have to be willing to kill your darlings. And, uh, you know, you you know, and you, it might be the greatest passage in the whole wide world, but if it's a distraction from the story or it pulls you out of it, you got to let it go. And that's right. And, that's and, food. I, yeah. You just made me think of food right there. Sure. Right. When I'm making a dish, 
This you might love not... pickled jalapenos, but they don't go in that dish. hundred <laughs> percent, man. We are putting a menu together, right? For my, co- right, right when I had my business, it was like you put menu, put the menus together all the time. It's like that is you got to learn to cut the fat and learn what works and what doesn't, and you just That's right absolutely what what pushes the dish forward or what pushes the story forward in that case um yeah i love that i love the connection between writing and making food and i feel like it it comes up on the podcast a lot because there's just so many similarities to and and now you know writing and i love hearing that too the musicality of the screenplay writing and um that's so that's awesome i actually like reading screenplays if that's weird enough i've been no doing it's it for not it's, 20 it's, something years i've always done that it's it's a I, I didn't realize how many until i started doing this how many screenplays there are online like you can go read yeah. you can go yeah. read the original rocky screenplay totally and then look at at what from that screenplay it's always fascinating to me what got cut yeah right what totally. didn't make it that's and why then, I read what them. What was rewritten like, was obviously like, oh, that scene's not working. And so we're going to have to have this. We have to write a new scene. Um, there's a really famous scene, in, speaking of which, in Rocky. Um, and uh, they were supposed to have uh, this scene where it was between Rocky and Adrian. And he had, he had, uh, um, was going to take her on a date. And literally the film, it was going to cost too much because restaurant scenes are really expensive because you have like <laughs> 60 extras and you have to shut down or get a restaurant to shut down and let you use their facilities or create it as a set. You know I mean? It, they're, it's crazy expensive to shoot those things. And they're like, we can't afford it. And so they were able to get the ice rink in, uh, in, in Philadelphia yeah. on a night off and just have the Zamboni guy run it because like Rocky's got a connection, of course. Totally. So the totally. Zamboni's like slid the <laughs> Zamboni guy 20 bucks. And so yeah. she's ice skating after it's closed and he's just walking on them with his shoes, right? And they have this really endearing conversation that was supposed to be at a restaurant. And it's a, such a much better scene. 100%. Than, 100%. You know, so those are those accidents that happen, you know, that... Um, and it also makes you realize what's the most outrageous thing you can do, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so yeah. I, it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun. No, that's awesome. I love also seeing like the description and how they made that happen, right? The reverse right. of it. So I think right. you see okay. what the, what the, what the, what the action as it was written was. Yeah, the, exactly. How did they write on that the, on the, on the screen? And all of that becomes the, the decision of the director and the, and his or her DP, yeah, you know, the, the, the photography. Yeah, I mean, trying to tell somebody how 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 much of an influence a cinematographer has. It's the same as like you can hand a an, a, a recording artist and a voice and a song, right? Casey Musgraves wants to cut this song. You hand it to ten different record producers. It's going to sound, it's going to be the same song. It's probably going to be in the same key. It's, you know, she's going to do a, a, an amazing performance, but it's going to be 10 completely different animals when it's done. Yeah, that's you know? true. And, uh, true. and so it, it's, it's amazing how much it um, has to do with, with past what's written on the page. Sure. I love the connect, you know, the connection of how it works too. you know, the, the, you know, and they always say you got to start with a script, 
right? You oh, start yeah. with a good story, but then you hear all these, you know, obviously hear so many stories of movies starting, the script isn't done, they just, they got the first part and now they're gonna start filming. I just don't know how, how you would do something like that. Yeah, I, that I that almost either. seems to me like starting a set, like a live set in front of a, but you don't know what, you know what I mean? Yeah, like you haven't list, written right? all the songs yet. You just got a few <laughs> songs written. It's like, we'll, we'll write them as we go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yet, you know, some of the greatest movies, Casablanca was written that way. Yeah, it's, it is crazy oh, how that. some, yeah, that's true. Yep. Some of my favorite movies. Um, some of my favorite been, movies were written that way. I mentioned yep. Casablanca, you know, I mean, yep. just, uh, um, and yet, you know, a ton of them, it's like everything is written out. And usually what happens is there, there are writers who are, which is sometimes not the, like with, you see the writing credit of the person who's up there. Sometimes that's the person who's there writing dailies. Like they get to a scene, you know, and yeah. you're on the set as the writer, but other times, it's not that person's already moved on to they're working on another project and you know, the filming didn't work, you know, so, you know, that writer is not there. And so they hire another writer to, you know, to be on set because it's like all of a sudden this doesn't work or the actors improvise something yeah, totally. and it's almost there. Yeah. We need a writer on set to take their improv, make it better we're going to shoot it again tomorrow and boom you have the scene you know that's amazing i mean i love i had this um um she's from brooklyn she's a writer director um and she just released this web series on youtube actually uh it's called mm -hmm. platonic really great and just talking to her wow. about that whole thing because she wrote it right and then the collaboration the, the cool thing i love talking to her about was the collaboration on set and her willingness to you know, change the words that she had put down in the moment sure. because she said, look, we're here now. I wrote it one way, but now it's the moment. Now there's a different energy here. Sure. We should be willing to go with, right, something different or at least try sure. it. We, sure. we can we can use it or not use it late. And I, man, that conversation was so cool. It was really, well, really I, are I you that way too? Yeah, I mean, I I haven't had that opportunity, but I've certainly had that opportunity in the studio. You know, that's you what get, I mean, like songwriting. Yeah, you know, you're, I mean, you're down song, with collaborating. You've written, absolutely, and, you you you've written the song, and well, first of all, the song's not finished until it's absolutely recorded. You know, um, for me anyway. Yeah, um, but you're right. You know, you're right. There's though times there have been many times where, uh, you know several times where, you know, I had a song, uh, Mac McAnally was producing the record and I had a song and it had a double first verse and then a single second verse. It was a ballad. And then it had a chorus and a chorus. And, uh, uh, you know, Mac came into the booth and he said, what do you want this song to do? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, songs have jobs. And he said, you know, some, some songs are, their job is to, I give it about an 85 is easy to dance to and it can get on the radio and more people will want to hear your music. And he said other songs and, uh, you know, uh, he said, you know, they're, they're to tell a story and it doesn't matter that they're four and a half minutes long. And, you know, he said, so, you know, what's this song's job? And I said, I think that's a hit ballad and I want it to be nominated for freaking song of the year if I get the chance. And, you know, it never was, but, um, but, he said, me too. 
He said, I think that's a really powerful song. He said, but I think you need to take those first two verses and figure out what's the one verse that's in the, that double first verse that, that gets you to that chorus quicker. And I was like, oh, he said, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to take a lunch break, see what you can do. And in, and in the, during lunch hour, you know, I, I rewrote those first two verses into a, another verse. It, it happens all the time. I mean, you'll get, you'll get somewhere and you go, this song needs a bridge. We didn't write yeah. a bridge. Go write a bridge. Um, yeah. <laughs> or even down to, it's like, you thought it was going to be pedal steel on, on the track. And you get through after you've listened at the end of the day and go, I'm not going to tell the steel player, but steel is all wrong for this song. It needs, you know, it needs fiddle and the fiddle's not even going to come in until halfway through the song. It's not a fiddle heavy song. It's just, it's like, it's this color, but this, but the steel is the wrong color, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and it's laying there like a dead fish and you need to, <laughs> you need to, you need to figure out how to stair step that excitement in that song. And, um, what went down is not doing it. You know? Yeah. I love that. You're willing to change it. You're willing to adapt, you know, just sort of feeling what's happening and going with absolutely it's you well know. yeah and I, you know you always have an idea in your head or at least i do i always have an idea in my head about what i think this is supposed to do sure um but then a musician will do something that um completely changes and you go oh that's that's it there's a great story and it's it's not from my but it was told to me by Fred Foster, who produced the record. Um, it's a song everybody knows. Pretty Woman by, by uh, Roy Orbison, right? There's the guitar lick at the top, right? And, uh, and Roy oh, and his- Hang on, right? My, my, my Roomba just started going. <laughs> can, can, it's, I mean, this is the first time this ever happened on, on my podcast. I've done like 100 episodes. This is crazy. Uh, I'm gonna turn off right now. I, what the? <laughs> There we go. I'm so sorry. Oh my God. I can't. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. All right. There we go. I apologize. So, Roy Orbison. <laughs> Roy Orbison, Pretty Woman. Right? He wrote the, he wrote the guitar. Right? And then, uh, so they were trying to teach that to the session guy who was playing on it. And he made a mistake. He was like, Dun, 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 dun. And, and he went, hang on, hold up. And then Fred was like, no, stop. And he ran out into the out of the control room and in there he goes, that's not a mistake. That's the first part. And they was like, what? And he said, play just up to that note. Dun, 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 dun. And he went to the snare player, blap, 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 blap. And he said, dun, 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 dun. blap, 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 blap. Dun, 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 you know, so Dude, one of the greatest awesome. intros in all of rock and roll happened because of a mistake. You know? <laughs> Dude, what a great story, man. And that's, <laughs> that's a, a deal. That's why you pay attention. Not all mistakes are mistakes, you know. That is awesome. So that guy was like, oh, yeah, guys, see, y'all need to listen to me more. Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> wow. That is so, God. That is so cool. Wow, that's crazy. I wonder how many songs that's happened to. It's got to oh, be a ton. Right? Hundreds. You're right. Yeah, uh, some of your favorite, you know, 
things like I, you know, even in my own, it's like I had written the head lick to just call me lonesome, but then I was showing it to Bill Hullett, who was the session guy on the thing. And he goes, can I add this? And he added the little triplet, you know, so I had written it and he was like, can I go? Can I add that triplet in there? It's like, yes. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's just 10 times better. It's like, so yeah. That's yeah. A, what a great song, by the way. Oh, thank uh, it's you very a much. Phenomenal song. Uh, yeah, no, I bet. I, yeah, we didn't even get a chance to. I've been listening to your music for, honestly, a, a few days now, just constantly listening to your music. Yours and um, I got Hayes Carl coming on. Oh, yeah. Uh, He's a great guy. Yep. He lives around the corner from me. Oh really? That's hilarious. Yeah. We yeah, could just put you all together. I'm talking to him I in a know. couple hours. We just put right. you all, you know. I'm just giving my very I mean, best. Yeah. Absolutely, of course, of course. No, it's uh yeah, it's a, it's a just amazing to talk about all this stuff and you know, what what um, you know, we, we got just a couple minutes here, but I'd yeah. like to know more or less what what have you been just kind of tell us what have you been doing during the pandemic? Has it just been the screenplay and just sort of working on your screen screenplay and then working on um I'm working on a, another book that's gonna be a novel, you know, long form. Wow. And then uh but also been writing songs. Um, some songs for some you know, something that I think would be like whatever my next record is gonna be, but then also there's a musical element to um the the screenplay. A, a small one, but, but also I, you know, in hopes that I would be able to write the music, you know, for the, you know, the score and the music for the, the songs for the screenplay. So I've been writing songs and collaborating with songs by, by reading my collaborators or working on my own to, you know, we've been zoom writing a lot. And so, you know, I'll just say, okay, guys, I'm going to read you a scene. Right. And then we're going to try to write something that at the end of the scene, what's the song that's going to play right after that? You know, <laughs> that's, so that's, that's been really of, fun. Yeah, that's got to be cool for the people you're writing with, right? They're probably not used to writing songs like that. No, but it, it, it just gives you more ideas. You know, yeah, it just gives you something awesome. that it's like, oh, well, can we use the line? No, it's too, too on the nose to use that as the hook. But can we use sure. this? Yeah, we can do that, you know. Man, and uh, so, cool. so it's, it's so bouncing cool. it around and uh, and uh that's been productive I, and you know i think for me writing you know during this time it, it's a way to keep myself focused because yeah. the hardest thing in the world is there's an inertia that goes with this man and you got to figure out how to fight it you know um i had to figure out how to you know i had to figure out how to not drink every day in a, because, because as, what people don't realize most of the time about me is that I, I wrote these really rangy songs when I was younger. And so I don't drink when I'm on the road that much. You know, I might, I might like, if I got to do Thursday, Friday and Saturday night, you know, I, I, you know, I'm probably not going to drink on Thursday night. Or Wednesday night, I got to get up and ca catch a plane and get on a nine o'clock plane. I got to get up at five thirty in the morning so that I can be there in time to get you know get packed and everything. It's like Wednesday night, I'm not going to have any alcohol, you know, because I got I just got work to do, right? Yeah. And so I always had two or three days a week that, you know, uh, you know, just like not going to, you know. And then 
you know, all of a sudden it's like, it doesn't matter if I get up at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. or whatever, you know, it's like, and so the desire to, to, to continue to write. And then I just declared days, you know, that's, that's like the Sabbath, you know, it's like on, on, you know, you know, that's the, I'm not drinking that day that week. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Good. But just, so I, you know, just little things like that. Uh, I've been walking every freaking day. I live in a neighborhood where you can really, really walk. And that's, you know, and it's helped with having ideas for songs. Yeah. You know, every day, you know, staying in shape, that kind of thing. But, uh, but more than just doing a workout, you know, I mean, there's a way for me to, I got, you know, resistance bands and a a yoga mat and I certainly could figure out, you know, and I do do those things too. You know, it's like to stay in shape because there's no gym I'm going to go to, you know, and, uh, but, but, I, you know, the, I think that's one thing that's going to continue with me. I bet I, I was like, you know what? I just got through with breakfast. I'm going to walk for an hour before, you know, it gets too hot. And, and yes, look, you should walk, walk and then have breakfast. Oh, really? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. That, that would definitely be. But you know, get work work out. You know, get get uh, yeah. build up some of that. I actually don't eat from. I only eat from noon to eight p.m. Oh yeah, you're doing day. the whole the whole uh, intermittent fasting. Thing? Sort of intermittent fast. Yeah, I've done that for. I did it before it was ever called anything. Like I've been doing yeah. it for pretty much my whole adult life. To be honest, I've always ate that way um, constantly. Never breakfast. Oh, just sort of wait till that time. And then once, yeah, once I find out what you know years ago okay, this is really what it, I really stuck to it. And it, it has helped me, um, for sure. But again, it's not for everybody. No. Uh, but for me, that's always helped, you know, get, get some workout, get some stuff in, get some stuff done and then, uh, eat later. But I don't know, you know, I'm not a doctor here. What am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> but I like, uh, when I eat dinner, my wife and I, after dinner, like to go for a walk. Oh, that's you know, a great that, idea. You yeah, know, that's absolutely. what we do. We, you know, like in, the, the food. in the fall, uh, you know, it's 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 tough to uh, walk after dinner in Texas or Tennessee. Um, it's still yeah. it's still yeah. it's still ninety something degrees, or you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, we eat dinner at like nine o'clock. My wife's from oh, wow. Europe, uh, so right, we right, just always eating dinner. You know that 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 time is. I sort of adapted myself to her time, right? Of eating. So you know, we eat it at nine or something. So yeah, our walks are are definitely late, later at night. Honestly, a little unsafe sometimes. It's like, this, we, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't be out here. This is, we need something reflective, you know, or something. This is, yeah. you know. <laughs> That's hilarious. A little danger in life uh, keeps it keeps us on our toes. So, well, listen, Randy, um, I, I've, you know, just completely appreciated this conversation, man. It's been so awesome. I, I just can't tell you how wonderful it was. And, um, Gosh, I just, again, just such a wonderful conversation. I know our listeners are going to be so excited to hear this and, uh, you know, about everything you got going on and I uh, wish you the best of luck with, you know, all these new projects and everything you have going. I just think that's amazing. And, uh, yeah, wish you the best of luck with all this stuff. Patrick, thanks so much. It's been a joy. Uh, when the, when the, when the movie hits the, or, or my next record or, you know, whatever, let's, let's have another conversation. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? I'm already thinking about stuff we're going to talk about. I'm going to do more research. Uh, we're going to talk more food next time too. That That's what's great. And we didn't even get to Texas a little bit about where you grew up. Oh yeah. We got to have you back on, man. That That's right. a definite. That's a definite for sure. I love it. 
So thank you so much, man. Enjoy the rest. Uh, you know, go uh, walk that dog. It sounds like he needs to get out and, and get some. <laughs> Probably. Mine yeah. too. Mine too. Trust me. They're already yelping here. So, uh, well, all right, Randy. Um, you know, be safe out there. My best to you and your family. And uh, we'll talk soon. Pleasure, man. Thanks so much. The Lone Star Plate Podcast is produced by Texas Real Food. Go to texasrealfood.com and you can search your city for stores, butchers, restaurants, farmers markets, and more who are using fresh, artisanal, organic sources. It's a fun site that brings all natural options all together. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, go to thelonestarplay.com. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Until next time. Yeah.